Are we starting with Tua? Uh, do you want to start with Tua? That's the only. Is there anything in hockey that we need to talk about other than Leafs practicing with Mitch Marner on defense? And and that's a topic. Um, the other topic is you know your your thought on you know for an example, um, Sabers are trying are going to pick a captain. Okay, and how important is it to have a captain? That's number one. The other thing is, how often do you see teams? take away a captaincy and the player's still on the team. I saw it with Patrick Marlowe and, and Joe Thornton was given the captaincy. Well, out in Winnipeg, Blake Wheeler, who's been an unbelievable hockey player and an unbelievable leader for a long time, got stripped of the captaincy. Okay. And they don't have a captain. And I'm, li- I'm listening to uh, that, uh, you know, Nick Smith, Schmidt, yeah. Oh, this this can work, and uh, I've seen this before. And uh, you know, uh, Blake's a great guy, and he's really taking it well. You need to shut the fuck up. That's what I say to Nick Schmidt. It's a fucking joke that they took that captaincy away from fucking uh, Wheeler. Did they give it to anybody yet? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Why would they do that? Why would they? He's out of there, though. They're they're in an interesting spot, man. Like you know, between Dubois and Wheeler and Shifley, you know, they're they're in an interesting spot there. I think Rick Bonus is just a stopgap to try to be a nice guy around the locker room, keep the young guys happy, keep the morale up. Because I've only heard he's just an unbelievable guy. I've heard he's not really a head coach. Maybe he's more suited for an assistant coach, but he's such a good guy that maybe he can keep things on the rails while changes are made in motion. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I, when I saw Rick bonus sign there as the coach, I'm thinking, all right, they're tearing this thing down. They're going to start getting rid of some of their big dogs. Understood. But as you feel that way too, he is the captain of that team. And, and, and whether Rick bonus wants to come in here, who's basically a stopgap gap coach, and 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 you want to try and uh, make a statement? Is that the one you want to make? Was it his decision? Like, I don't did know. Did this come from up top? I don't know. But if you're walking in there and you're the head coach of the, of the hockey team and you walk in and make that that statement, it better be your statement, and you better agree with it. Rick Bonus isn't going in there and telling Kevin Shevel Dayoff that he's not going to do what he says. Like, didn't that have to be discussed in the in the meetings with the when hiring the coach? Like, I don't. This is I'm with you. Okay, so if you think I'm trying to argue this point, I think it's completely ridiculous that that you would strip the seat. Just trade the guy. Trade him. You may as well trade him, or you may as well tell him to just pack his shit and leave until he's moved on because. Taking the C off of somebody is number one, a massive distraction. And I think it's, I think it's more of a distraction by taking that off because the guys in the team know that Blake Wheeler is the captain of the team. They know that Mark Shifley is one of the leader leaders that he wears an assistant captain on his Jersey. The, the problem that I have is, you know, you have uh, a peer, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who does not want to sign a long-term contract in Winnipeg. And that's for a reason. 
I mean, he, he apparently does not like the environment that he's in. Maybe he doesn't like playing in Winnipeg. Maybe he wants to be someplace else. Maybe he wants to be in Montreal. He can do whatever he wants in, in two years from now. Well, let me stop you right there for a second. I'm sorry to say this. I understand that Winnipeg has an unbelievable uh, fan base. I know that. I know they were crushed when the Jets left originally back in the mid to later 90s to go to uh, Phoenix. I know that they sell that place out. I know that building is loud. I, I understand that. And I know the players love that. But who wants to play in Winnipeg? Like, if you're going to make $8 million a year, I don't care. I don't even care if it's the league minimum. If you're going to make... 800 grand a year. Do you want to live in Winnipeg? No offense to Winnipeg. Okay. I grew up in St. Catharines. I'm a cold weather guy when it comes to that's to me, that's hockey, but I'm sitting here thinking like the, you know, like the more new school mindset, like, you know, like, Oh man, if I could play hockey in the sun year round, that's like, it's like the greatest thing ever. Or, or if I could play hockey in the New York City, in a Montreal. Like, it might be cold, but my God, are there's, they amazing? There's a lot of different personalities, though. There's a lot of different personalities. There's okay. a lot of guys that want to play in for the Rangers. They love the idea of playing for the Rangers and being in the big city. Yes. There's a lot of players in this league that do not like playing for the Rangers that would not want to be in the big city. There's players out there that absolutely do not want to go to Edmonton. They don't want to go to Calgary. They don't want to go to Winnipeg. They don't want to go to those uh, places. I did not want to be a big city. But I was there not are, a big city But guy. there are some players that do want to play in those places. They want simplicity. They want uh, a, a different lifestyle. Okay? There, yeah. There's probably a larger amount of players that want to go play for the Florida Panthers or Tampa Bay or Anaheim or San Jose. But there are a lot of players that still want to play in those northern northern cities it's you know it is what it is you know you're looking at pierre luc dubois who is basically their superstar they traded for him and gave gave up patrick line and now all of a sudden they want to sign this player to a long-term contract he does not want a long-term contract so he just signs a one-year deal for six million dollars he'd make way more than that way more than that if he were to sign a long-term deal but, but he wants flexibility. I don't think he wants to sign in Winnipeg. And that's his prerogative. You can't uh, blame him for that. However, I will say that it just appears, and I don't know the kid, and he's a hell of a hockey player. How good he's going to be is yet to be determined. But Pierre-Luc Dubois has, to me, has come across, has given me the idea that he's a pain in the ass. With how things went in Columbus, you know, and then, you know, the trade and then, you know, he, he gets to Winnipeg and now he, you know, might want to leave. And it's just kind of like, man, like, like make up your mind. You wanted out of Columbus. So you got out of Columbus and now you're in Winnipeg and you don't want to be in Winnipeg. And it's just kind of like, like, I just, I don't know where I'm at with this. I don't know if players should be able to dictate their happiness and where they want to go. It seems to happen more and more. It seems to happen more and more that players well, can with dictate the, with where the they, upper echelon well, players. Of course. I mean, Andrew Peters doesn't pick and choose where exactly. He plays. Craig like, Rebe doesn't pick where he's going either. Okay. Uh, if you were a UFA, you could have picked where you went. And don't okay. S- well, every uh, listen. If you're a UFA, well, you landed in every, San Jose and they signed you to a four year deal, with regardless of the no, fact I landed. 
in San Jose because I got traded to San Jose. Okay. That's how I landed there. But I didn't, when you're unrestricted, that's one thing, but when you're restricted and you're making, you're making waves and you don't want to sign with your okay. team, just like I mean, he was not happy in Columbus. Well, Pierre-Luc Dubois was not happy in Columbus, and now he's not happy in Winnipeg. And he's going to be in a situation where he's going to be able to pick and choose where he's going to play in, in a short period of time because he's going to be unrestricted. So he f- And he wants the ability to pick where he wants to play. And I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess... If you're just going to go through your years until unrestricted free agency, until you can find, you know, complete happiness, well, you're not really good to any team. I mean, you know, he was great in the playoffs. That was his coming out party during, I think it was the bubble playoffs. But like, you're you're no good to anybody if you're if your approach is like that. But again. If that's how you want to handle it, that's how you want to handle it. But I just look at, at this kid and I just think, man, like talk about somebody who isn't going to be happy until he gets his way. Fuck, is he an only child well, or he's, what? He's going to be he's going to be unrestricted in two years. So he'll, he'll be unrestricted. Montreal. He'll be unrestricted when he's twenty six years old. I think he's doing the right the right thing. If he does not, if he is not a hundred percent bought in to the Winnipeg Jets, then he should not be signing there. But this since is, they bring him in there, because guys like Wheeler, Shifley, there are a few other players on that roster over the years that are aging. Uh, there was the little guy, uh, uh, Ellers, Lars Eller, Is it Lars? Ehlers. Lars, Ehlers. Is it Lars, though? Butchering that name. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Ehlers, but it's not Lars. He's the guy from Lars Ehlers from uh, Washington. What's his name? Ehlers. Ehlers. E-H-L-E-R-S. What's his name? How the fuck do you not know his name? You traded the state. You had traded for him 10 times when you had the dry erase board going a couple years ago. Is it Nikolai? Yes, it is. There you go. All right. So anyway, my point is, wasn't a guy like Dubois brought in because guys like this are aging and when they age no, out, Nikolai Ehlers is 26 years old. Okay. All right. Bad example. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of another Kyle aging. Connor is young is 20 is 25 years old. Like, I mean, there's, there's some good, really good hockey players. The, the older players on the team, um, you know, even Mark Shifley is, is, is 29 years old. Blake right. Wheeler's but when, 30. But when a guy like Dubois, Dubois hits his stride in prime, he's 26, 27. That's a couple of years. Shifley's 32, 33. Wheeler's yeah. 50. You know, like, so some of these guys are aging out. Who the hell am I thinking of here? Adam Lowry's 29. That's a guy. He's a, he's a centerman. But anyway. Mason so- Appleton is 26. They have uh, Cole, that Cole uh, Perif- uh, Ferretti, who Perfetti. I think is their... Perfetti is he was their first round draft pick, 10th overall. He's 20 years old. He's going to be a great hockey player. Um, but again, this has nothing to do with the team, the ages of guys. This has to do with Pierre-Luc Dubois, I don't think, wants to play in Winnipeg. No, I think it does have to do with ages of guys. Like they swapped Line A for this guy because Line A was a piece of their future. This guy's supposed to be a piece of their future, and he doesn't want to fucking be there. That's the problem. You know, so it's like it it's it it hampers what their vision is. Yeah. 
Well, you have Pierre-Luc Dubois, who has clearly not come out and said anything, but he has shown the organization that he is prepared to sign a one-year deal for the next two years. It's going to make about $6 million plus a year. And then he's going to be unrestricted and he can go and pick exactly where he wants to play at the age of 26. You have Blake Wheeler, who is going to be gone. He's going to be moved on. He's got two more years at $8.25 million and he'll be riding off into the sunset after those two years. I think Mark Shifley is at a point in his career where he sees a dead end in Winnipeg. They're, they're almost to a point where they have high end players and the Kyle Connor, uh, Nikolai Ehlers, you know, Mark Shifley, but then there's a real drop off in talent. And I think that Mark Shifley at the end of the season spoke up in his end of the year meetings, maybe said a little bit too much. And now all of a sudden there's, there's an irritation with him. Could, the, could he be on the move? So, you know, in, in two years from now, Mark, Mark Shifley, who's making 6.125 million, okay, is going to have the opportunity to hit unrestricted free agency. He is going to go and try and win a cup. I can guarantee you he's going to he's going to be leaving Winnipeg. So there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen in Winnipeg. They have to try and figure out what direction this team's going to go. I think when they traded Line A, and brought in Dubois. Dubois was brought in to, to potentially grow into that spot where Wheeler's going to walk out of. Maybe not the captaincy, but the but the top top line center. Still wouldn't have taken the C off Wheeler because you Absolutely got a, not. You got a tough situation in Winnipeg. You don't know what kind of team you're going to have. Animosity. Yes, it's the animosity. And amongst the ranks, there's going to be a lot of just irritated players of why would you do that? Why would you do that? Even if someone else is taking over as the captain, you, you still don't, you know, cut the legs off of, of, of your leader that has been there. And that has given everything to this organization. How many years has he been there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wheeler. 10, he was, he 11 came, years yeah. he's been in Winnipeg and you have, you have bonus coming in and stripping the C from this guy. Started Started in Boston. Boston. But I mean, with that organization, was he not, was he not with Atlanta? Yes. Yeah. He started in Boston, but he, he, he played 23 games, had seven goals and 17 points for the Atlanta Thrashers. I remember playing against him when he was in Boston. And then they moved. So for Rick bonus to come in here, I mean, shame on you, man. Sorry. Okay. Cause All I know right. Ricky, I know Ricky's probably listening to the pod right now, but <laughs> send it to him. More shit move by taking the C away from that guy. And I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of guys in that dressing room that are sitting there. Not liking what they did. That's just me. It's called respect. Blake Wheeler is the captain of that team. Okay. And until you move him, he should be the captain of the team. I agree. And I don't like the move. Well, there's a, uh, this is a nice transition into our next conversation in a different sport, but you know, you don't like that move. There are a lot of people in the sports world today, Riv, that don't like the move of Tua 
playing in that game last night. This is kind of like the elephant in the room conversation right now. Um, as we, you know, open. Why? The show what happened to Tua? Talk of yeah. I can't remember. I I watched this game last night. I don't I don't turn on Thursday night football unless the Bills are playing. And it's not that I'm some like mega Bills mafia fan. It's just I live in Buffalo and I I like to watch to know what's going on with the team because there's a lot of hope and everything around this franchise since they drafted Josh Allen. I would never watch a Thursday night Miami Cincinnati football game. That's not Andrew Peters. Yeah. Okay. I watched that game last night solely for that reason. When I saw that he was playing I knew that he was one hit away. And I and I, I said to you just at the start, like, I don't like being right about some things. I love being right. This is not a gloating moment for me. Uh, this is a, a very dark day on the NFL and on sports. And it's actually, to, to be honest with you, I got to choose my words wisely here. Maybe it's the best thing to ever happen to the NFL, unfortunately. And I apologize to Tua for that, that he's because... They deserve this. Roger Goodell deserved this to happen. Yeah, but why did he get carted off the field yesterday? You know why. Was it his head or was it his back? Explain to me. Why why are concussion spotters in the NFL? Why? Yeah, we we've we've and it's amazing that we have to keep going over it. Yeah, it's to protect the player from himself. Well, the thing is, somebody said yesterday that to uh seemed fine and said he was fine to play. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, look, the people behind the scenes know the truth. They know it's not a back. They know it's not a, a an ankle or whatever the issues were. It, it was, they knew w- what happened. They can't allow the player to make the decision. They can't like rule his word out. It doesn't matter. As an expert, you have to be able to say he's out. He's not playing. Don't bring his. You equipment. have to be an expert. No, you have well, to be an expert to understand when a guy has a concussion and a guy doesn't. Why does every? Why does everybody? You know, we sit and criticize all the 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 armchair quarterbacks in the world and GMs and and analysts. You know, and and you sit and. People that don't even know sports knew that he shouldn't have come back in that game on Sunday. Why is it so clear to them, but it's not clear to the doctors in Miami, the NFL PA, the NFL, Roger Goodell, and Roger Goodell and everybody else underneath them. You're telling me Roger Goodell did not see what happened to Tua and know that he was playing last night and it was all over. Like, you don't think that guy has a pulse on what's being said about his league? Give me a break. He knew exactly. And he's at the game last night. So who's at fault here? The who's NFL. Fault? The, the who's culture at fault of the that sport. A, that a player got concussed on a Sunday and returned to the game. And then basically his fucking fingers. four days later, four days later, sustains another concussion. Because you, Petey, Petey, you know, I've been through it. I, I remember getting concussions. I'd take my couple weeks off. I'd have to do some bogus test to get back in the lineup. But then all of a sudden I, I go out in my first shift, second shift, third shift, go and make a simple body check and see stars. Back then that wasn't a concussion. 
Did Back then, this? no one even knew what a concussion, the ramifications of the concussion. I went and made body check after body check and saw stars and, and felt my arms go numb and fingers go tingly. And that went on for, that went on forever because I just, I, I question everything. I, I, I'm listening to you talk and I'm watching the coach uh, speak here in his press conference. And I just, you know, he was definitely prepped before he went out there and he really didn't say anything of substance. I'm listening to him and I look at him and I think you knew this guy knew this coach fucking knew that this guy had a, had a concussion the other day, but his three and O records on the line and they can't do it with Teddy Bridgewater. So he like, as a coach, do you not say something to the player? Do you not pull the player aside and say, what are you doing? Like you're not playing today. No. Why would he ever do that? He's got a three and O record on the line. What if he doesn't get hit and we win? Well, here's the thing. But the problem is you need to realize is you're talking about the coach. Okay. The coach is not the one who has the damage moving forward. These athletes are pieces of meat. It's like live entertainment. Just go out there and do your job. No one gives a shit about Tua after his career. Nobody, nobody is going to be caring about Tua after his career. But two is the one who's now in a situation that he might have lasting concussion light symptoms, sustaining two major concussions, okay, in a short period of time is not a good recipe. So someone who is, who's the fault for this? What are the legal ramifications? I look at this and everybody around the, the, the world that watch football is watching Tua on Sunday and then four days later watching him being carted off due to concussion. Meanwhile, you know we know? all knew that he was concussed on, on the Sunday. So you where's know? the legal ramifications? We're talking about uh, we're talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes making $50 million a year and $500 million contract. Well, Tua right now could be the richest guy ever because this is egregious how this was handled. Someone has to answer to this because... The NFLPA has asked for information. They 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 want a report of why he went back into the game. That was that was after week three. That was after the Bills and uh, Miami game. They want to know how how they, is well, it I don't possible? Re- well, how did they did they have answers before Thursday night? Because no. it's no, exactly. How do they, they not did have not answers? have answers? You're telling me you can't have answers by the next day? It's two phone calls. They knew they had a game on Thursday. If the NFLPA is doing an investigation as to why uh, he was let back in the game, why the fuck are they letting him play Thursday night? Like, so don't because, sit there and say that you're it's doing about winning. Don't, well, it's not about winning because the NFLPA doesn't get a trophy at the end of the year. My question is, why didn't the NFLPA step in? Why didn't they step in and tell him he's not playing? Why didn't they tell the NFL or the NFL that he's not playing? Why didn't they tell the Miami Dolphins that he's not playing? Don't tell. Like I understand the PA is there for the players. The PA for the business side, they're there for the players, and they'll tell you like, yeah, we got health insurance for you, and we'll look out for you if there's any grievances. But the NFLPA is just as much to blame here because they don't have answers by Thursday. They know they're they're investigating uh, a concussion and a player returning to a game. 
We know this by science. We don't need any science. We don't need any evidence. We don't need to sit and wait for answers. They knew the guy was fucked up. They never should have let him play. The NFLPA Again, is do they have the power? Do they have that power? You're damn right they have the power. If they have the power to tell the guy what he's Clearly worth, they don't. Well, that's I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Somewhere along the line, someone was listening to Tua, and Tua never should have had a say in the matter. You don't listen to a guy that you know has a brain injury because he's not thinking properly. He's only trained to think one way. He's only trained to think, you know, fractured wrist, get back in and play. Sprained ankle, get back in and play. Dislocated shoulder, I can muscle it out. This is a concussion. You you don't make your own decision. I played someone an needs entire to make it year. for you. Here's the thing. This is where you need to realize we're all a piece of friggin' meat and they don't give a shit about us. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when I when I broke my wrist, okay, when I broke my wrist in a preseason game, I had a season opener. Like six days later, I went and did all my tests, MRIs, stuff like that. They said, yeah, you, you have a broken bone in your wrist. I said, okay, what if I get it done? Well, you're going to be out probably a month and a half. I said, okay, perfect. Let's do it. They said, no. I said, okay, what do you mean? No. They said, we need you for this, for, for opening night. What we're going to do is we're going to put a player cast on you and you're going to play with it as long as you can. And I said, okay, but every time I move my wrist, it kills. I can't even hold my stick. Yeah, no problem. We'll just give you painkillers. You're not going to feel your wrist. So I went, PD, the entire year. Listen to me. The entire year, every single game, I heard it. At the end of the year, when I had it, re- when I had it looked at, all of the ligaments were torn. All of the ligaments holding the bone together in the wrist were torn. I did so much damage by playing with it that it made it way worse. Well, we said this the other day about second concussion. I right? had I had a shoulder injury with a team. That I do you remember the harness? Do you remember the harness that I wore for my shoulder? Oh, it yeah, was literally old, a straight jacket. Uh, the old straight jacket, yeah. I literally wore a straight jacket underneath my shoulder pads, and it prohibited me from moving my shoulder into any danger area. I couldn't even lift my shoulder, you know, halfway. I couldn't move it forward or backwards. I was limited in everything that I could do. But I played the entire year with it, made it worse because I heard it all the time and then had to finally get the surgery. I got knocked out in San Jose laying on the ice. And at that time, we didn't had we didn't have concussion spotters. And here's the thing. When I came to after a minute and I was laying on the ice there in the playoffs, They wanted to take me off the ice. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going off the ice. I'm not going off the ice. And I skated to the bench. I sat on the bench. I sat on the bench. And I could not see the fans on the other side. That's how bad it was. Yeah, I remember you saying this. And you know what I did? I sat there on the bench until things came to and I could actually stand up. And I went back on the ice and I finished that game. I had a and, collision and, and with. So what I'm trying to say here, Petey, is the player 
is well, is not coming out. You need to protect the player. You're a piece of meat, bud. Yeah. That's what we all were. That's yeah. what we all are. We're entertainers. We make money for ourselves and for owners of a of of these major leagues. We're entertainers. Here's the thing. We're replaceable. Every single one of us are replaceable. And teams are constants. They're they're they stay. The owners are usually long term um long lasting you know families that own these major sports teams they're always going to be there but the players players come and go so ultimately they need to get, maximize what they can out of these players playing the sport the sport of football or playing sport of hockey there is danger and every single player knows it and we're okay with it but there's a point in time when we're talking about where players need to be protected from themselves. Here's the thing. The owners don't give a shit. The coach doesn't give a shit. You just give me the best guy in the lineup. That's going to help me win hockey games, which is going to make me, you know, save my career or make me more money because I'm, my team is winning more games. You have to protect the player. And in this, in this instant, in one of the biggest sports in the world that generates the most money, we're looking at a team that's 3-0 and that, that does not want to lose their number one quarterback. So they play him four days later. And he was clearly to sit there right now and have the Miami Dolphins talk about, yeah, it was a back problem. And, uh, you know, no, it wasn't a back problem. It's a head problem. And everybody knows it. And now all of a sudden, four days later, you have that player being carted off carted off on a stretcher that's taken to the hospital just reading that here the me, nflpa says it will pursue every legal option as it investigates whether Tua should have played on thursday night i mean do they really need an investigation as to whether or not that this is saving face this is going to be a massive legal thing because i'm going to tell you right now like are there going to be guys that lose their jobs the guy that was the concussion spotter in miami watching that game can he explain to the general public what he saw? Or was he grabbing nachos up in the booth and, and missed it? Like everybody on the planet knows that, that Tua was concussed. So someone at, at some point, the concussion spotter who allowed him to go back in the game. Wh what about the doctors that allowed him to go back in the game? Were the, were the doctors of the of of the Miami Dolphins sitting there going, you know what? We need to back in the game. We're playing the number one team in the league, the Buffalo Bills, and we're and we're winning right. Give me an example of a player that you've seen that has been hit and come back way too soon. Like I'll give you one for instance. RJ Umberger hit by Brian Campbell here in Buffalo. I can't remember what game it was. Point is. He played four days later. He played in the series again. So, you know, he's out cold on the ice. Eyes roll back to his, uh, roll back in his head. Okay. He is literally in la-la land. He plays in the series again. It's like, what, what are we doing here? 
I have. There was another example. But it was pl- I, it was playoffs, right? Yeah, it was playoffs. Playoffs, man. It's about winning. It's not about the health of the player. It's not about the longevity of uh, RJ Umberger. No one gives a shit about RJ. What is what is RJ doing now? Have you ever talked to him? What's he doing now? No one gives a shit. He's not playing anymore. He's not a professional athlete. He's not a he's not a fan favorite like he was back in the day. No one gives a shit anymore. That's the whole point. We are all pieces of meat when we play this professional game. It's a sad reality. I mean, we've always heard that. I think people, you know, you hear that and you just accept it. You know why you accept it? Because these guys are paid so much money. How many people out there would say, you can do that to me twice in four days for $7.5 million? That's what two is making, $7.5 million. And you sit and you think it's the amount of money that justifies these guys going out and killing themselves. Nobody, nobody who play, starts off playing football, gets a sniff, gets there, is going to turn it down. I did, you, by my third year in the NHL, I had checked out. Being an enforcer in the NHL was not my thing. I, 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 I dug it for a couple of years. You're in the league, you know, you're getting some, some recognition and, you know, people are loving you. But then, you know, like by year three, I'm like, these punches are really starting to hurt. Year four, they hurt more. And because they're doing more damage. I played six years and I played like sporadically. I can't imagine the guys that were fighting, playing every, every game. Like, like I can't tell you how many times I must've played a game concussed the day after two days or three days after having a fight, like, or you get into a fight. I can't, you know how many times I've been, I've been punched in the head and I'm seeing stars and you're kind of hanging on to the guy and then you're like, okay, I'm okay. I hear I am. I'm back. You know what I mean? And you start throwing punches. Like I went to the penalty box, five minutes, squirt some water on your face. Get an idea, you get your bearings. Oh, yeah, we're in Atlanta. And you come out and play again. Put a little cold ice bag on the back of the neck. You're fine. Yeah, I didn't get punched in the back of the neck, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the thing. The ice bag wasn't for the neck. But it, you're not walking away from the money. You're not. Like, I wasn't going to get paid a half a million dollars. It wasn't enough. I look back and I think, fuck, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And it would have been amazing. I know a football player who walked away from the game from a contract with millions on the table, just left and started a new career, played for the bills. His name was Brad Butler, had some injuries and, you know, other things, had other interests in life. It was never about the money. And he just, he just walked away. He just walked away from the game. Cause I think he's like, this is, this is ridiculous. We talked about it all the time. He's like, he's like, it's not even the games. He said it's it's the little jolts in practice or the little jolts on the line. Every he was an offensive lineman, and every time you stand a guy up and you just they just keep punching you, punching you, punching you in the shoulders, and those little jolts, those constant, constant, you know, you're getting you're getting 20, 30 a game, 50 a game, every snap. You're getting shoved about four or five jolts to the body. Do it again. You know what I mean? Yep. So on one s- series with the ball, you could get like a hundred jolts to your body. Those are doing, those are, that's shaking your brain. Watch the movie concussion. It, it, it's, it's fascinating, depressing, terrifying, all in the same sense. Those are the things they used to talk about. Like it wasn't the big major hits. It's those little repetitive, little, 
little repetitive hits. And then it's the big one. Then it's the big one that turns the lights out on you. You know, that's the problem. And someone said uh, last night, who was it? Was it? Where did I read it? Take some of the equipment away. These players, hockey, football, doesn't matter. They are so overloaded with equipment that these the the onus has to be on the hitter. There are guys that we both know and guys that that wouldn't hit the way they do. Like Alex Ovechkin isn't throwing his body into people if he's wearing the the shoulder pads Brendan Shanahan wore or that I wore. I wore like paper cups on my shoulders. I you know what I mean. I didn't want equipment on. I I, I wanted to be loose in my gear. You know, but guys yeah. arm themselves. You had the big shoulder pads too. You had, you know, like yeah, they have these massive pads and their air pads and, and they have the plastic over the shoulders and, and the NHL is like, oh, we've changed that. We've changed the shoulder pads, but it, it's still not doing anything. They're not doing anything by adding more equipment to protect the players. I don't think, I don't think the equipment right now, I think, I think the equipment was a major problem, a major, major problem in the early two thousands and in, in the nineties where you had, um, plastic, hard plastic on your elbow pads and you would lead, you would lead with your elbow and guys are getting not just concussed, but I mean, they were out. I thought of RJ Umberger cause it happened in Buffalo, Paul Korea. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. They did a documentary on him and, and the, the post yeah. the post effects of him. They're going to do one on Tua. There will be a 30 for 30 or an untold or one of these HBO real sports stories about Tua and his and his career after this week. You look at the the the, the situation with Paul Korea. Like he's he's pretty quiet about it. How how Paul Korea who and everybody who ha- is listening to this podcast who has not seen this hit, it is uh, in the playoffs one year. The Anaheim Ducks were playing the New Jersey Devils. Scott Stevens, the greatest open ice hitter of all time, hits Paul Correa directly in the head, knocks him out, and you have to watch the video. It's to the point where Paul Correa was laying on the ice motionless. Foggy visor. Foggy visor, but then it's you're watching the video, and then all of a sudden he breathes. You remember that? And the mm-hmm. heat from his breath fogs up the entire visor, like he was he was completely out. They could barely get him off the ice, and then he comes back twenty minutes later and scores the winner. He scores the, uh, was it in overtime? I can't remember, but I know all I know is I remember the call off the floor and on the board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, and, and I'm I know laughing. I'm laughing at just the fact that the, the, the commentator, because back then they had no idea, you know, the, the long-term effects of what Korea was going to go through and what other players were going through. So they, That's they right. made a, 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 a great, it was a great line for the time, you know, yeah. but, but the guy never should have been allowed back in the game, but even still, even still, if that happened today, I don't think they would ref, reference the fact that he was out cold and then scored a goal. You know what I mean? I really don't think so, but 
unbelievable, unbelievable goal call. But my God, one of one of the stupidest, stupidest moments in sports. That is an example of one of the stupidest moments in sports. And last night, absolutely no different when talking about the NFL and Tua. Yeah. I have a lot of emotion, you know, about this type of stuff when you're watching Tua on Sunday, clearly have a concussion, watch him play, which is kind of mind boggling on Thursday, and then sustain another concussion and be carted off. It just brings up memories of, of, uh, you know, some tough stuff to, you know, I think everybody out there has watched that they're concerned. And, and I think, you know, with, with really tough situations and really tough moments, these are where, this is where change happens. And I, and I think, you know, and we all sit here and, and are worrying about Tua that he can come back and be the same player that he has to start this season. And we wish him well, but at the same time, something needs to change there. There's answers Questions need to be answered, okay? And I think the the sensitivity of the situation needs to be magnified so this doesn't happen again. Well, the NFL needs to do one thing, and that's get their head out of their ass and start. This is a this is a bad mark for their game. If you're a parent watching that last night, there's no way. If you sign your kid up for football, then you just do not care. I, that's all I'm going to say. I don't know that I can say the same for hockey, but there's a lot of people that feel that way about hockey. Okay. And I understand why. I do get it. But I do believe that hockey has taken a bigger stance against this stuff than the NFL. I do. I don't know if it's enough. I didn't say it's enough, but it's really going in the right direction. And I'll tell you why, you know, back 15 years ago, the, the, the game of hockey was more dangerous than it's ever been in the entirety of, of the, the league. And, you know, the enforcer, that word enforcer has been eliminated from the game, which was, was live entertainment, yep. but oh, yeah. the right, the right move. And you needed to get those guys out of the game because that was not hockey. That was hockey back in the the 50s, 60s, uh, you know, in, in the 70s and the 80s. But the game has evolved. The game is, a, is, is an incredible game. It's fast. It's skilled. It, it's really yep. enjoyable to watch because of the amount of goals. I think that the, they've done a really nice job the NHL with, with trying to make this game safer for the players. And I commend them for that. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think they've done a, I think they've done a way better job than the NFL. I think I players think, are going to finish their careers long. Some of them have, you know, one or two year careers in the NHL. Some of them have five. Some of them are as long as 15 years, but a lot of those players will not be leaving the game and dealing with the same shit that I'm dealing with right now. And many, many of the players that were in my era are dealing with the same issues. Wasn't there a father in the NHL recently that came and took his kid home? Was it Bowen Byram? Did his dad come? I feel like somebody I know, got I know that he. I know that he was struggling with a concussion type uh, symptoms or whatever. And I think that he went home and kind of, 
Um, I don't I thought there was he, a he's player. a young guy. He was only what is he? 20 years old. Yeah, it was, he was young. But I thought there was a player. I thought I remember hearing. and I wish I knew that somebody was concussed and their dad came and took him home with like the team team was pissed about it. But he's like, no, 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 no. This is my son. I'm going to take care of him. I'm. I'm going to find out who that was. And I think my brother. Well, I know. Been... I know Bowen Byram did leave. Yeah. For, uh, a leave of absence with the Colorado Avalanche. Obviously took the opportunity to rest properly. Okay. Came back and won a Stanley Cup. And he was well, a big part of it. And I'll say this. If, if someone's dad did do that this day and age, I commend him for that. Because back in the day, you would have been killed for that. But now, if Tua were my son, he never would have played Thursday. There's no way I would have let my son play. There's no way. There's no, and it's easy for me to say now, I don't have a son in that position. He's only nine. Sprained ankle, you know, things that aren't, you know, I'll, yeah, go. If you, if you think you can go, go. You know what I mean? Shoulder, if you, you know, it might get worse, but whatever, we'll fix it. Go. If you think you got to play. Who pays the concussion spotters in the NFL? The NFL, I think NFL, PA, NFL, the league. Well, it's it's got to change. It should be paid by the players. A concussion spotter needs to be paid by the players, not the NFL. NFL clearly does not give a shit about the players, but the players collectively care about the players. And they need they need to have someone have their back at all costs. It's not going to be the team doctor is like, oh, you know, I think he, I think he's okay. He's answered uh, three questions correctly in a row, so he he should be able to go back in. No, the concussion spotter clearly visually is seeing issues. Then they should they should be the one that 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 has the say. Last thing I'll say about Tua. And not how are the Dolphins feeling last night after seeing their player go down. Obviously, it's it's gut it's gut wrenching, but you know what you do? You go back out there and play. Richard Zednick had his throat sliced on the ice. Forty minutes later, we were back playing. I mean, you just find a way to go back and play. But how do you think the Miami Dolphins and maybe other players around the league are viewing, you know, the way they're taken care of? I mean, players on the Miami Dolphins are obviously friends with Tua, and they just saw their friend. And their brother get carted off the field because their franchise, wherever wherever the uh, the little weakness in the armor was, their franchise let this player go out and play. That means they would have let them do the exact same the exact same thing. So they're sitting there thinking, this is the real moment where you actually say, well, that could have been me. You think they care, or do you think they're just like I'm going to shut up and collect my paycheck? And 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 the, the the right answer is actually the problem with the sport because those players should be walking out right now. We're not playing until you show us that that we actually matter. But again, you know what they're going to say? Well, then we'll find the next guy that'll make that money and just come in and replace you. We're all replaceable. No question. There's going to be some kind of long-term effects for this. And I hope this is dealt with properly. Legally, I hope Tua gets his due. And I hope whoever needs to pay, pays. But unfortunately, the people that do need to be held accountable for this, 
they're way too high up. They're way too, they're, they're almost, they're almost bigger than the game. And there's only one of them. There's only one guy and it's all the way at the top. And until he's gone, nothing changes. That's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.